Well, good morning and welcome to Genesis. Hey, great to have you on this beautiful fall morning. We've we got some people running in the, in the marathon. I think that's happening this morning, isn't it? God have mercy and strengthen them as they're running. Yeah. <laughs> and then we, there's some men at uh, Camp L for the men's retreat uh, this weekend. And so I was there up until last night and we were um, riding motorbikes and starting fires. And no one got hurt and, and re-roofing. No one, well, okay, take that back. Kim hurt his shoulder, you know, Kim, right, but he, I was told that that's an ongoing thing, but um, as of that point, everybody has remained healthy, but I don't know what happened last night. There's no guarantees, but we're glad that you're here this morning uh, with us, and so uh, this time we're going to take our offering, so if you have a green card, and if there's a way to get connected or a need for that, drop that into the plate as that's being passed by, and uh, as we just give thanks, God, thank, give thanks to God for his provision. So God, thank you that you are good and there is more than enough. You know how to provide. Teach us, God, to be good stewards with what you've given us. Teach us how to know how to say no, have show restraint, and to leverage what you've given us towards your purposes in this world. So let it be, God. We pray that our neighbors would flourish. We pray, God, that this city and the surrounding suburbs in Detroit would flourish in the people of it. God, we pray for our country, that it would flourish according to you. We, God, pray for the world and the needs that are a part of it in every area of poverty and destruction and turmoil, and that you, God, would come and meet those needs. And you'd whisper to us and invite us to join you in it. We pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we're going to invite the uh, ushers down, and so uh, they're going to pass these plates through, and so you can uh, present your offering and your green cards within there. And as we do, we've been singing. We sing the doxology, so would you sing with me? The words are behind me, if you know it. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. So one more thing before we move into the teaching for today, as uh, Janelle was telling us about our 2019 budget, uh, we postponed affirming that because in, our, in the time that we had had questions with our community, we, we've always had a longing to be more generous outside of our community, meaning that we, we give a money inside of our community as a part of just the mission of Genesis through our benevolence fund, through serving in the warming center, through different ministries of Genesis, but we long to be generous to movements, missionaries, and things outside of us, to the global poor, to the surrounding area that has nothing to do with who we are. We think that as people um, in the United States who are in the upper echelon of resources and, and of just of God's good provision, that we, we should be sharing regardless of the size of the church that we are. And our hope was is that we would extend 10% 
um, of our budget. And that was something that in the last couple of years that we hadn't moving, we, we weren't moving ahead in, we were actually decreasing in. And we were like, we, we've, this has got to change. And so we switched that this year and moved another $10,000 to, to move. So you've got to note, we're moving 4% of our annual contribution towards outside of us. That's somewhere around $20,000 um, towards those things. We, we, we extended about that same amount just in ministries we have. I mean, Jenny Braun with our benevolence team this last year, we extended about $16,000 to anybody in need, about probably 50 families that were just stepping in. And just this last week, there was somebody who was, needed a 10-day gap in covering their housing. And it was just like, no-brainer, boom, they moved to it and they supply those needs. That, that's internally, that's not included in this. But this next year, we're moving it to 4%, and we, we still aren't pleased with that. And so, but we've made a plan in order to move us and what we sense that God is inviting us to do to continue to leverage more and more of what he has given us towards his purposes that are beyond us. So 4% this year, and the next year we're going to do 7, and then in, and then 21 we're going to do 10. That, that's our plan. We're kind of like, this is what God's inviting us to do. So we move some things. That's what we paused for. Um, a couple of other things that we... we um, we are affiliated with the American Baptist Church through our relationship with the church that was here as we merged together. And one of the things when we merged together with this community, we kind of locked arms with each other, pulled each other in, and have said, what you care about, we care about, and what we care about, you care about, right? It's, it's this thing about loving each other. And when you know that love is a messy thing, right? But it's a beautiful thing. But one of the things is that this community has loved missionary movements to the American Baptist Church. So we have four specific offerings that we're going to continue. And we've kind of slid off from offering those. There's some destruction relief stuff. There are some offerings that are moving monies towards the global poor, moving towards um, sharing Jesus in the United States. So there's four of those. We're going to be bringing those four offerings back over this next year. So those are a couple of things that we're shifting within our budget that's coming forward. So we wanted to share that with you. We're going to be affirming our ongoing uh, budget that's coming up on November the 4th. But those are the things and those are the changes that we've made. If you've got any questions, you can grab me. You can grab different people um, on the Genesis team if you have any thoughts. Sound good for now? <laughs> if it didn't, now's not the time, right? So um, I appreciate it, right? Uh, but, uh, but if it doesn't, Come, come grab us. We, we want to continue to incline our ear to the Father and participate in it more so. So uh, we're in a series called Invited to Reach. We've been challenging over the last few months, encouraging us to be praying uh, impossible prayers, right? It, sort of leveraging our prayer and saying, God, what's the impossible thing that you, that you want to do maybe in our family, inside our little community of people, and in our church, and we wanted to be moved to begin to ask and pray those impossible prayers. And if you were here, I encouraged you to say, let's pray these impossible prayers for the next year. And, and what that would mean to do that, and what I'm doing is once a week, right, there's an alarm that goes off on your phone, on my phone on Monday morning at 9 a.m., goes off and reminds me, here's the things that I'm, I'm praying for that are impossible, that, that I seem to think that are impossible, and that, God, I long for you to move into. 
But as we begin to do so, um, we, we're, not, we're doing this as, a, as an act of faithfulness and of trust and believing that God is going to do something, but we know we have no magic formula. There's, there's no guarantee that what we ask for is going to be answered in the time that we ask. And so we wanted to teach on some concepts of when we begin to pray for the impossible, we're, we are reaching. We're reaching, and we sense that God is actually inviting us to do this. And so we're in a series for six weeks to maybe even to persuade us even more to pray these impossible prayers, but to do so in a healthy manner. Not in a way that uh, makes silence people within their pain, but allows them to enter into the true realities of their life and still ask God to do the impossible. So we're in this series. We want to encourage you to get into a small group for discussions in it. But today is called um, being sort of beyond your limits. And so today's message, big idea, is about this. As we hear this invitation to reach, this sort of reaching beyond ourselves, taking a reach that we know that we cannot accomplish in our own strength, with our own resources, with our own talent, with our own abilities, and our own energy, as we hear the invitation to reach, we will become keenly aware that we and ourselves do not have all that is needed to pull it off, to say yes to this invitation, right? But God is inviting us to bring what we have, and God will have to fill the gap. So that's our, that's our, big, that's our big idea. Here's the question that I want to leave you with today. This is the question you're going to be answering in the small groups, and this is the question that I want to be processing even right now, because it's when we're going to start with an end. Here's the question. Have, has God, has he ever stepped in and fill the gap in your life as you um, offered what you had? Has he ever invited you into something? Or you sense that God was leading you in, it was inviting you to take a risk, to take a step, to say yes to a, maybe a new job, to say yes to a new relationship, to say to yes to something that he was wanting to do in the world. He invited you to join him. And immediately you knew you did not have the energy, the money, the time, the resources, the know-how in order to meet that need. And then God filled the gap. Do you have those stories of saying yes and yet God filling the gap? I want you to remember, to think about. I, I remember for Carmel and I on our journey of Longing to have children, right? When you, when you hit that, when you have a complete hysterectomy, you know, the, the, the reality of having natural children is, becomes an impossibility. But you still long for it. You hear God inviting you into the fruitfulness of having family. And you're wondering, how in the world is this going to take place? Yet God is inviting it. Build family. Build family. I want, you, I want you to build family. And so we were wanting to say yes to that. So we said yes to it. We knew that adoption was probably the route that we wanted to take. But yet that, there was this gap that we were like, how are we going to do this? It's, it's, it's fairly expensive. We knew that we weren't able to reach that, to fill that gap, right? That gap of resources. I mean, yes, could we take out a loan of debt? And that would probably be worth it, right? We would, we'd be willing to do that. But we also didn't feel like that was what God was asking us to do. And so we said yes to the invitation to do so. We filled out the paperwork, applied what we had <laughs> into there, and then we started to say, all right, God, you're going to have to fill the gap. And then we offered what we had. Carmel at one time with the help of Ashley and, 
and other friends, we built these little Christmas ornaments, you know, because it was the reminder of Jesus coming to life, right? We made these little Christmas ornaments out of these little wood pieces, and they say, for unto us a child is born, right? And so we made 150 of them, and we heard about this fundraising idea where you could leverage your friends, and you write a number on them, and, and people can uh, buy one of the Christmas, order, or Christmas ornaments, and they're numbered one to 150, and so you can either pay a dollar for one, or you can pay $150 for one, and you sell all the numbers, and that would get you about $11,000, which is, you know, uh, just under half of the amount that we would need in order for the adoption. And so we did it four years ago, almost at this time frame. And within the course of 30 days, we had about $24,000. You know, just from people saying, yes, yes, let, let us join with you. And we, in, in that moment, we're like, oh, here's, here's God filling the gap as we said yes. A lot of times God fills the gap in community. And every year when I set up the Christmas tree and I put this ornament on the tree, I'm reminded of God who fills the gaps as we say yes. And a number of you who have these, every time you put up your Christmas tree, you take a picture of the ornament and you text it to me. And you're reminded too of the God who fills the gap as we say yes. Have you ever said yes to something that you knew you did not have the capacity in order to complete, but yet God had to fill the gap? We have some other friends in here, Genesis, Chris, and Jody Eland. And in the last couple months, they, they, I, they, I heard a story of how God, they said yes to something of God, and he filled the gap. And I was like, Jody, Chris, come here and share the story. We, this, this will help us. And they said, no, we're not going to be here. So they recorded it um, for us on their phones. And so here's the story of them saying an invitation, saying yes to an invitation to God and then God needing to fill the gap, and he does. Hi, I'm Chris Elon. This is my wife, Jody. Uh, Boat asked us to uh, share a little bit about our experience and um, stepping into something that um, we felt called to, but maybe not necessarily equipped for. And so uh, Jody and I have been doing this program called Safe Families, and it's a chance to help uh, parents with children uh, before they go uh, potentially into the system. And so uh, we had taken on a couple babies, and then we had this experience with... Um, a couple of girls that came uh, to our family. And so I got the call from Jody that she was picking up two girls and we had a little surprise when they came with us. Uh, turns out that they both had lice and they both had pretty severe dental work that needed to be done. And so, um, I don't know, we got into a position where um, the one girl in particular, the older one, her mouth was hurting her, and she would even tell us, like, yeah, my mouth really hurts. And, um, and it got down to where we were getting ready to give them back, we thought, to mom. And when a little girl that's five asks you specifically, when am I going to go to the dentist? When are you going to take me to the dentist? That kind of was impressed on me that we needed to do what we could to do that before she went back to mom. Mm-hmm. And so I made a few calls and actually was met with some help from my mother-in-law that was worked in the dental field and then the dentist that we use. And through that, we were able to get them seen and partially treated in the first visit that we took them in. Um, we were actually able to kind of share parts of our story with the dental team and I was blown away by their kindness and they gave us discounts right off the bat without knowing anything. We were somewhat confident that the insurance would kick in, but 
we were kind of going on faith that if not, then God's going to provide and we're going to figure it out as we go. And then behold, uh, when the bill went out, there was an issue with the coverage on the dental and none of it was covered. And so, like Jody had said, like when sharing the story a little bit with the dentist and with the team, um, they, they helped us a little bit with taking some, um, some of the cost off. Um, and we didn't really tell too many people, I think, like what the cost was. It's just that well, we were covering it. But both of us, even when we found out there was no coverage, there wasn't the sense of panic. It was just, it was the right thing to do. I mean, you, you see this girl in pain and it's like, yeah, this is, it, it wasn't a hard choice. So. And even like to see the smile on her face, she had to get two crowns and four cavities filled. And she was walking around lit up, showing everyone her new silver teeth. Yeah. And I mean, that alone was enough for us to say, you know what, it's just money and it is what it is. And even with the lights, I mean, I was in tears because I was trying to take care of it just with us and not going above and beyond and spending the money to get care. Um, but I did reach out with the lice and I got an envelope with a cute little card in it and it says we love how big and beautiful your heart is with taking in kids and we hope that this offsets some of the cost and this was specific to the lice issue and then like the week we found out that the dental none of it was covered we got a text message from Carmel that said hey, are you guys going to be home for a while? And I was like, oh no, either we're yeah. in trouble yeah. or she has something to give to us. And she brought us this letter and it says, we know that you're reaching out with the love of Christ to children like these, the ones that are near and dear to the heart of Jesus, those in great need of help. You've opened the door of your home and heart. You put the lonely into a family of love, even on a temporary basis, as there is such need. As you have done it to the least of these, you have done it unto Jesus himself. How he sees you, how he knows that you sacrifice, and yet you still love. Choose love first. He loved you first, so you are able to freely love. He wants you to know that his love for you has been from everlasting. Keep loving and know that it blesses his heart. This gift is meant to encourage and bless your heart, as you may have unexpected needs in caring for his hurting children. Sending love in Christ, and it wasn't signed by anyone. Yeah. But it so was if you're the, out there, thank you. <laughs> but it was the exact amount that covered all of the dental work after we had felt like we came to peace with the fact that we we're, were just going to eat it. Yeah, <laughs> because we're not doing it with that mindset of someone's going to come behind us and pay mm -hmm. and cover pay for it. So yeah. hope that encourages someone out there. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. So their story, right, is one of saying yes to an invitation. And I, and I know Chris and Jody somewhat, so I, I'm not certain if they thought that invitation was something, oh, yeah, we can do this. We've already got three kids. We'll open our home temporarily to families who just need a transition home for kids as they either return to their parents or go into the foster care system of some kind. We can do this. But even as they stepped into it, it was overwhelming, right? They're like, oh my gosh, this is more than we expected. But they want to say yes to what God is doing. And they continue to see God meeting the gap with his grace, with his strength, with his provision. 
And I want to propose for us that this is how it works. When God is going to invite us into things, he's going to invite us to reach, he's going to invite us to things when we come to the end of our capacity so that he can show the, res- the reservoir of his own grace and his own love and his own ability to provide for our own strength, our well-being, and for those that we're stepping into. And I hope this encourages us because sometimes we think that if we don't have the resources to meet something or the, t- the energy or this, we're going to say no. But yet, as I look through the scriptures, God continues to invite people into things that they have none of the ability, the capacity, the money, the energy to actually be able to accomplish in themselves. That's how it's supposed to be. And so as we're invited to reach, may we be encouraged. So here's the text that I think illustrates what we have just heard in Jesus and his disciples. Jesus has just sent his disciples out. He gave them authority and power. This was by his own thing. He gave it to them freely. They were still the same guys, the still young guys who didn't know what they were doing. He gave them authority and power to represent him in the world. He said, I'm going to give you authority to proclaim good news and to call people to repent of their sins. I'm going to give you authority and a power to set people free from the demonic influence. I'm going to give you authority and power to heal people. And I'm going to send you from city to city and do this. And these guys with no experience, with none of these abilities, with not, not even anything to accomplish this, are sent out and they experience the rich overflow of God meeting all of their needs and the needs of people that they encounter. Well, they come back from this amazing trip and journey, and they're celebrating with Jesus. And Jesus is like, okay, let's go away to a quiet place so that we can even eat and rest and debrief from this amazing experience that you had. So Jesus decides to take them off on a little retreat together so they can rest. And so they get off in a boat, and they begin to take this journey on this boat away to another side. And all of a sudden, the crowds are seeing Jesus and their disciples and the word of him and and. His teaching ability and how he's providing for people is spreading. This is the Messiah. And the crowd sees them, gets a sense of where they're going, and they run and beat him and his disciples to the solitary place that they're going, to the hidden retreat center. And a huge crowd is there as they step off this boat, thinking we're going to enter a time of rest and relaxation. We'll be able to eat. We'll be able to debrief. And all of a sudden, Jesus sees this crowd. They're like, uh, like sheep without a shepherd, he says. He feels compassion for them, and he begins to teach them. And as he's teaching, it's getting late into the day, and the disciples come to him, and they're like, Rabbi, teacher, it's late in the day. Um, we've got to send these people away so they can find food. They can go around to the surrounding areas and find something to eat. And then Jesus says this to them. You feed them. Now, you feed them. Now, that's an invitation to reach, right? And immediately, it's just like if you had heard that too, and you'd think, okay. And so all of a sudden, they start moving through their head, and one of the disciples says, um, Jesus, I mean, That'd be a half year's wages for us to do this. You want us to do this and go, to, and go buy bread and, and do all this? Now, I assume they didn't have a half year's wages. I assume they didn't have all this. But they're just kind of saying, Jesus, what you've just asked for us, asked of us, is something that we don't have the resources to meet. This is beyond us. 
So then what does Judas do? He says this, what do you have? And now they don't know, and he says this, go and look. So he sends his disciples out. I don't know how hard they looked. So can I have a couple, um, can I have a couple disciples here today who can help me um, illustrate this? Anybody willing? I'll take off my glasses so I can see you. I need two disciples, maybe, maybe three. Oh, Manya, thank you. Anybody else willing to be a disciple on this, John? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ken, step on up. Four would be great. Um, disciples, we long for you to feed all the people here, and so um, I would like for you to go and see what resources we have in this room in order to feed the people. Um, church, I have hidden food in this room. <laughs> Just to give you a heads up. And if I was you, look where the hymnals are around you. Because in the little hymnal book things is some food through this, through this room. So if you have it, disciples, can you ask who has some food in here? And... Um, you can distribute that. So disciples, can you find what we have? And then, and then bring it back. Please find the fish or it'll be a bad thing next week. <laughs> Here, here's a hint of how much there should be. Five loaves and two fish. <laughs> I have three loaves and two fish. There's four. There's a fi- Oh, yeah, we have it. And John found a baggie of something that's extra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God provides. What are those, cough drops? Yeah, 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 cough drops. Cough drops. Dessert. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody, does somebody need these? This is awesome. So, oh, disciples, you're not done. What's that? Oh, no, no, no. There's two fish in here. Yeah. Oh, well done, disciples. What did you find? Five loaves and two fish. Now, I'm assuming the loaves were nothing like this, and the fish was not smoked salmon, but this was as good as I could do. And this is going to get fun. So what what did Jesus do, right? He had his five loaves. He had his two fish, smoked fish, more than likely. He thanked God for them. He blessed God. That's what Jewish people do. God bless you who provides, who, who brings up from the ground bread made from this earth. Thank you who provides for us. He blessed God. He broke, the, he broke the bread, broke up the fish, and began to have his disciples distribute it among the crowd. So open those up. Yeah, who, uh, distribute this fish. Open it up there, Manya. Leave it in the bag. And it's going to get messy. Who doesn't want some smoked salmon? <laughs> Grab a chunk. Gross. Wipe it on your pants. Gross. Or don't. And uh, here's a couple more loaves. They distribute it, open it up, pass it around, take a piece. Deb, here you go. Oh. Here's another piece of loaf for you. 
right? Okay, good job. And you can just pass those back, but right? So they took these elements, these five loaves, these two fish, they distributed it among the people, and, and how's the story go? There was nearly 5,000, at least confirmed, 5,000 mouths that were fed that day. And as they sent the disciples out in order to collect up the remains, there was 12 basketfuls of bread and fish that were left over. So if that's not a story of God's inviting the disciples into something that was beyond their capacity, I don't know what it is. Beyond what they had the ability to meet. For those of you who are gluten-free, we apologize. Uh, eat a piece of smoked fish. That's for you. Oh, and we have two cough drops. I forgot. That's the cherry on the top. Does anyone need a cough drop? Oh, yeah. Andrew says that you do. <laughs> All right, so do you see the story? See, see, so much of the scriptures are told through story. They're told from story so that we can get pulled into it, so that our own lives can begin to mirror the story of God's provision. Their own circumstances can begin to mirror the story. It's told in stories so that we can be involved, that our imaginations and, 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 our, and our bodies can get pulled in. And so this story is told. And it's a beautiful story of God's provision. But the disciples step into it exhausted, tired, just wanting time to rest. They're depleted. And in their depletion, Jesus says this, feed them. You do it. Have you ever been there? You're exhausted. You're depleted. You're like, you're feeling weak. Just on the edge. And yet God is whispering to you and there's a need that's happening around you and he's saying, step into it. Step into it in your weakness. And you're like, I can't meet this. I can't, I can't step into my friend's brokenness. I can't step to the situation of somebody who looks homeless. I can't, I can't step into um, maybe a relative's addiction. I, I can't step into this overwhelming need. I'll drown. Now, if we think that we have to meet the entirety of the need of ourselves, right, that it's us just meeting it, we will drown. And if you think that what Jesus is inviting us into is saying, you know what, I, I want you to do all these things in your own power, in your own strength, your own resources, and just go and, and do it, then we've missed the whole part of it of a God who's wanting to breathe upon us. And he wants to show his great strength. He wants to show the abundance of his grace in the midst of our limits. That's who, the God, that's who the God of this world is. It's always taking small people, small people in the eyes of everyone and saying, okay, let me take your smallness and let me show you my great strength. He is, he's never been about saying, you know what, you really look like you have it all together and I could really use you. You know, I'm not really doing that great of a job, but you seem to be able to have great capacity 
how about you step in for me and, and really get this done? No, he said, uh, I, I'm going to use the humble, the small, the ones who don't have it together and who know it. The small from everyone's eyes, and I'm going to invite them to join me. Uh, we were talking about this, and Liz Taylor, who is a marathon runner, I don't know if she's even, she's not running right now, but she's getting ready to train. She says in the training for marathon is that a lot of times you'll run, and you're getting prepared to run the 26 some miles, right? 26 miles in the marathon, and that in your training, there's a couple days when you need to hit the 20 miles, right? So it's a lot of weight, it's a lot of fatigue. But after you do that day of your 20, it's so important to run the next day when you're depleted. It says those are the miles that really get you somewhere. When you're depleted and you're invited to run, when you know you can't really run, and it's not going to be anything fast. Manya's still handing out smoked fish. You're so, <laughs> you're so kind. Did anybody eat it? All right. This is what we want to talk about today, right? This is, this is what we're dreaming of. This is what we think that God is inviting us into, inviting us to, be, to reach when it's clear that we are beyond our capacity and that we must learn to embrace our limits while at the same time holding on, relying upon, drawing upon the deep resources of God's grace. So on one hand, we know our limits, we know that we might be tired. We might know that we might even be sick. We might even know that we're beyond our capacity. We know how much money we make. We know how big our home is. We know what our debt is. We, we know all these things. And so we're to hold those limits. These aren't things that we're supposed to deny. But we can hold those things that are our limits. But at the same time, drawing upon God's deep resources of his grace as he invites us in. Our limits are never meant to be the deciding factor for what God's inviting us into. Do you know what the deciding factor is? God, who invites you in. <laughs> Nothing else matters. Who invites you to join with God and what God is doing in the world. Where God is wanting to show the deep resources of his grace. And Jody and Chris, in that, small, in that step, right? I assume these are happening all the time. They got to see it. We get to hear it. The people at the dentist's office get to see it. Of God who's continuing to step in and to meet. How are you doing at holding that? Your own limits and God's deep resources of his grace. Do you find that sometimes your limits, you already know in your capacity, makes you even it makes you even have a posture whenever there is a whisper of God inviting you into something, immediately you begin to think, I can't do that. That can't be from God. No, nah, I'm not supposed to step into that. I'm not supposed to join in that. That's already beyond me. That's already going to be too heavy. That's going to be too weighty. I, I'm, I'm not a part. Do you already begin to limit what God is wanting to do by your own capacity? And if you're like me, the answer is Yes. I'm limiting. This last weekend when we were at the men's retreat, uh, a friend of Nate came out and they were teaching us to start fires with nothing. I don't know why, right? You know, I mean, 
I'm never going to get dropped off in the wilderness with nothing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring every bit of gear that money can buy, you know, right? Uh, but there, there's something fun about learning about how to do that and understanding that, uh, of getting to practice with some of these, these elements. And so we were practicing with these pieces of wood and, and there was a piece of like shoestring around it. And I didn't, I'm not sure, even sure what it's called, right? And then you're taking that and you're spinning it really hard and you're digging into the wood and it's creating um, ash in there and it creates the tiniest, tiniest little coal from the wood. The tiniest little coal. And it starts to smoke and I'm doing it and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, spinning this thing and the coal starts, and it starts smoking and I'm like, yes! And I get so excited and I yank it away and then I destroy the coal, Right? And then I tried again, and again, and again, and again. And every time I'd do it, the coal would smolder and get put out. Now, the guy who was teaching us, he, he kind of showed us, and we, we built this little nest to put it into, and he got the coal going. And as the coal's going, and it's just this little smolder, he takes this knife, and he takes it, and he gently places it in this nest of, you know, like little branchy kind of things. I, I'm, I have, I'm not much on the wilderness terms here, am I? You place it in this nest of things, and he's like, and you begin to massage it, right? On these fibers and stuff, and you begin to blow on it with oxygen. And it begins to smolder and smolder more. But the most beautiful thing is, is that that spark, right? It's that spark that you see the spark, and it's there, and it's like, oh my gosh, you're so pumped because you had this little tiny piece of coal that's beginning to spark. And then when it's placed into the right bed of opportunity and he places it in this little things of branches and all of a sudden it's like poof. And it's totally a flame in his hand. And then he lays it down and then you have the other things that you begin to do and, and a fire comes. For so many of us, if you're like me, you begin to see like the spark, right, of God's invitation into something that's beyond you. Right, that most of us are that, and and um, it's so easy to just to put that out. No, that's not for me. That's not gonna light. That's not gonna do any. No, that's not for me. I can't do that. This this little smoldering. It's almost like the whisper of God's invitation to join Him into something, and just a little smoldering coal with a little bit of just a little bit of heat coming off of it. It seems like with one flare of my nostrils, I can put it out, <laughs> right? But God is always that God, whispering to us and, and wanting to take that little smoldering coal and to place it into his, into that opportunity, into his nest, and to let him, let him bring it to the fire. When we're being invited to reach, this is what we think God's inviting us to do. And here's the, here's the two questions that I want you to wrestle with. And as we head into our small groups this next week, these are the questions you're gonna be, that we're, we're asking. We have two questions. And these are the ones I want to I leave with you. I want to leave these ones because I think these are of utter, point, utter importance. This whole thing is an invitation to reach. It's not an invitation to reach from me. This is an invitation to reach from God and where he's inviting you. And so the first question is the one I started with. As you look back in the past, as you look over your life, where are those places where God has invited you in to something that's beyond your capacity? He's invited you to reach. You said yes, and you saw him fill the gap. 
Maybe you don't have one of those yet. But if you do, it's going to be so important as we come around, as we come into, into groups, into homes, and we get to hear people say, all right, yeah, I, I took the opportunity, and here's what God did. As we think about our past and see God do so, he does, he fills the gaps as we say yes. We never know how he's going to do it, what it's going to look like. We don't dictate that with any means. But yet God continues to meet us. That's one question. So where is that? Where in your past have you experienced that? And then the second question is this. Where is God beginning to whisper? Where is the whisper of what you think God might be inviting you? He's inviting you into knowing that this invitation is more than you have the capacity to do. Now that invitation could be something you experienced just in this week where there's an invitation to join someone in their pain. Maybe that invitation is to step into a relationship that has, that, um, that reconciliation has felt like it's, you've, we've sort of just resigned to believe that God's not going to do the miraculous and bring reconciliation. Maybe it's an invitation to join the one God is doing, maybe even, even in your own career or your field or your vocation, where God is raising up a new idea, a new dream in you of a vocation. You're like, I don't have the background, the skills, the experience, the money to pull this off, but yet God is continuing to put this on my mind, and you just feel like it's just the smoldering, right? It's just the smoke coming off. It is crucial, then when we see that little flame, that little smoldering part, that we see it and we speak it out loud and we just tell somebody, hey, I think God might be up to this. I remember the first time, or at least the part when Carmel and I were together early on our journey, it was God was inviting me to step into more leadership, to say yes to what God was doing in the life and to participate more fully in the church. And I heard that invitation and Carmel was hearing that invitation and we just spoke it out loud. I'm like, I have no clue how to get there. Right? How, to, how to say yes to this invitation, except just to tell God, hey, I hear this God, um, I'm going to say yes to it. Because I feel like God was inviting me into, into the work of his church in a pastoral way. Right? This was some 15, 20 years ago. And I'm like, I don't have the credentials. I don't have the background, but yet you're inviting me into this. God, I, I, I'll say yes, but you've got you've to do it. And he did right? But I did speak it out loud. What is he inviting you? What could he be inviting you into? And so, even now, I would love just to create just a little space as we pray to invite God to whisper. Maybe you just even just get a a nudge, you get a little sense of a little bit of the smoldering coal that's coming up, that God's inviting you into something different. And so I want to ask God to reveal that to us, to you. And, and if he does, I want you to write it down, and as you get a chance to go into your groups, maybe you'd be able to share what's being impressed upon you, where he might be inviting you to reach. That's beyond you, but to step into something. So let's pray. So Father, as we've come together and you are at work. And you are at work in every one of these people's lives and the circumstances. And, and God, you know this, right? 
We've all come in with something. There's something that we've come in with carrying. You're thinking about our futures, thinking about our kids, thinking about our neighbors, thinking about our spouses, thinking about our not having a spouse, thinking about our home, our finances, our, whatever it might be, our health, our mental health, the mental health of someone we care about. We've all come in with something. Yes, so oh Lord. Would you speak in to those some things with your invitation to reach? An invitation, God, to say yes to you and allow you to meet these gaps. So, God, would you begin to a conversation with people in a way they can hear it from you? Would you even impress upon them these whispers of these ideas of what you're wanting to see happen? you would long to bring to life in them, in their family, around them, in this world. Would you invite them to reach, Lord, which is really to invite them to trust you, that you'll meet the need. So God, we create a little space and a little silence for you to speak, and so God, would you speak into this silence in a way that your children, God, can hear you? And that's with an image, a scripture, an idea. God, we, we give you freedom to speak it out loud into their mind, to their heart, and to their imagination. Amen. So if you had any sense, and, and for us, we, we know how crucial it is to teach us how to listen or even create space to listen. So maybe you didn't hear anything, right? That is not an indicator that God is not speaking, right? And so I would say that if you're not hearing and you're still wondering, just, you know, let my prayer be for you, God. Would you show your kids what you want them to see as they walk through their life, as they're in their families, as they're in their day, would you get their attention in a way that they could hear? He's good to do that. But for some of you, even in that little bit of silence, a little whisper came up, a little idea, and I want to encourage you to share it. I mean, just, just for the sake that if, if, I, if I had to just, and I'm not going to make anybody do this, but if I had to say, hey, what, did, as we sat there in silence, did, did anybody hear anything, get a whisper and nudge. He said, this might have been the smoked fish, or maybe it was God. Did anybody feel like they got a sense they, they heard God direct them to something? If so, would you raise your hand? Would you raise it kind of high just so we can see, right, that 
that God is, is speaking into things. And uh, he wants to speak to you. And so if you have the opportunity and you can, go out to the bulletin board out there, find a group. If you need some help with that, I can help you navigate that. We think it's just crucial stepping in and having those conversations with people as God wants to continue to, get you, give, to allow us to step into things he's doing in this world. May you be blessed as you go today. May you be encouraged to, uh, as you live today in the God who fills gaps in all of our lives. If you have a story, be sure to share those again and again and again of God's provision. Hey, thank you for being with us. You can step out to the board, but have a great, great Sunday. And next week, we're going to talk more about the tension between the now and the not yet of saying, goodness, we ask and sometimes nothing happens and sometimes worse things happen. So we're going to engage in that more next week. Have a great week.